Our scripture lesson this morning is from John chapter 20. I'll be reading verses 19 through 31. Listen now for God's word to us today. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is also called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week, our clergy staff were on a Zoom call, and Janet asked me a startling question. Wilson, how are you doing? She gave me a look that indicated that she was not looking for the oh, I'm good, answer. But she really wanted to know how I was doing deep within. I thought for a second and responded, you know, Janet, I'm doing okay. Social distancing and stay at home on the surface is not my preferred way to live. I like being outside, spending time with my friends, eating at restaurants, and honestly, I, I love being at church. I surprised myself with my answer to Janet because this season should not cause that affirmative answer within me. I should be sad. I should be bored. I should be going stir crazy. But surprisingly, on the surface at least, I'm not. Janet looked at me again. Wilson, how are you? Well, I responded, I'm ready to see people. I miss human interaction. I'm scared for my loved ones. I'm scared for our church community. In that moment, I got a glimpse of what the disciples must have felt like as we encounter the passage I just read that begins with the all-important detail that the disciples were locked in a room out of fear. Fear, that basic human emotion 
pops up even when we think we are doing okay. Our text this morning gives us a clue into the motions and the actions of the disciples following Jesus' death and resurrection. I love texts like this because they tell the insider story of the day-to-day life of the disciples and their interactions with Jesus. I've always found these stories and this story to be one of the most relatable stories in the New Testament because we get a sense of how the disciples were feeling and we know less about what they were doing. It feels particularly potent to me today because of the setting of this story. The disciples were locked behind a door. Wow. This is similar to our present reality. The disciples were scared. We know that reality too. They were unsure of what the next day, the next week, the next hour might look like. We know all about that as well. I suspect there wasn't much hope. The disciples had no playbook for this. There was no schematic to outline a proper response to the death and mysterious resurrection of their brother and their friend. Nor were they prepared for the emotional chaos that rushes into their consciousness once they made provisions for their physical needs. I wonder if that was the reason Thomas was not there the first time Jesus came to see his disciples. Was he out securing supplies for the disciples while they hunkered down in that locked room? That feels familiar. I suspect it was quiet in that room. There wasn't much chatter and certainly not a lot of laughter. Their leader had just been hung on a cross and died, and then, mysteriously, he was resurrected. All the disciples knew was from their sister, Mary Magdalene, that she said that she had seen the Lord. Life is perilous when you buck up against the wishes of the government and share good news in the face of tyranny. Were they next? It seems as if all the disciples could do was sit. Amy reminded us last week that the Easter story is an invitation to go and tell. Well, what happens when we are stuck behind locked doors? Jesus' sudden appearance behind those locked doors shows us how we can go and tell, even in circumstances like the present. Jesus brings a familiar message of comfort. Both times Jesus appears, he says before anything else, peace be with you. This is the message Mary, the mother of Jesus, hears when the angel came to tell her that she was bearing God's son. This message is heard time and time again throughout the Bible and is not just a present feeling or emotion, but it is an eternal state, a posture by which we live our lives that is also a posture through which God is transforming the world. This is the work, this posture of peace, This is the work we are called to practice right now. Proving this posture of peace to be true, Jesus shows us that he is who he says he is by showing us his wounds. This even causes Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, to believe that Jesus is truly present and causes renewed belief within him. Being behind a locked door is a tenuous place, but it is not separate from Christ. Jesus, because he is truly the Son of God, shows up wherever we go. I've been missing our church community while we've been apart 
It was sad to not be together in person last Sunday to celebrate Easter. I heard from a friend in another city that she felt that it was just not the same. And she was right. I love the pomp and circumstance as we praise God for defeating death so that we have life abundantly. I've never really thought that I'd praise God for what God did on that resurrection day behind a locked door. And yet, even though the church doors are locked right now, we still believe that the church is the continuation of Christ's ministry, the literal hands and feet of Christ on earth. And if Jesus can show up behind locked doors, so can the church. We have shown up for one another in mighty ways. Easter cards hand-drawn and delivered by a family to other church families in their neighborhood. A candlelight drive-by to mourn with a a member of our community who lost a loved one. Meals for Caritas, phone trees, emails, love, light. This is the church behind locked doors. We don't know how long we will be apart from one another, and even when we are back together, we know things will be different. But the church is us. We are the church together. Even if we have to meet in homes, even if we have to solely worship through our screens, Jesus is present with us and invites us to believe in new ways just by his very presence lived out in the ways we continue to be together, although right now we are apart. It is our job to be creative, to be nimble, to be simple, and to be full of grace. This week, I read a magazine article that interviewed a chaplain at Mount Sinai Hospital in Manhattan. This chaplain, a Presbyterian minister, discussed her experience of Easter during this pandemic. She concluded, the thing about all apocalyptic seasons of life whether it's a pandemic or a cancer diagnosis, is that the things that were already true become more true. She continued, the connection between people, I have more faith in that than I ever had. This reminded me of my own experience as a hospital chaplain. I once had a conversation in the trauma room with a man who had just been stabbed many times and was being prepared to have an emergency surgery. In trauma situations, it is the job of the chaplain to engage the patient and check in with them after the medical team has finished their initial work. Sensing it was my turn with the patient, I approached him and introduced myself. Hey there, I'm Wilson and I'm one of the chaplains here. I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. Chaplain, the man interrupted, am I going to live? Why did this happen to me? It was 2.30 in the morning on a hot July night, and I was six hours into a 12-hour shift. I had been training for these conversations all summer long, and yet his question stopped me in my tracks. Am I going to live? Why did this happen to me? I mustered a response. I don't know if you're going to live, and I don't know why this happened to you. But I do know that every person in this room is trying their hardest to make sure you do. The man was silent. I worried that my response was not the right or the best response in this moment. But when he was ready, he responded, Thank you, Jesus.
And before I could ask him if he wanted prayer, the trauma doctor announced it was time to whisk him off into surgery. I stepped out of the way and off he went into an uncertain future. I do not know what happened to this man after he left that stark trauma room, but I know what happened to me. He showed me peace be with you, just with his simple response. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for another day in service to you, for being right alongside us when the things that were already true become more true. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of a locked door that shows us how to be the church in new ways every day. Amen.